Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Milwaukee is commonly called the hub of sex trafficking. But make no mistake, sex trafficking is happening everywhere in all counties of Wisconsin, and of course, all across the country and all across the world. Now, we are very, very honored that you have tuned in because we know that there are many, many other places that you could go. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We are embarking on a multi-part project dealing with sex trafficking, human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. And we're also looking into the trauma that it can cause its victims. Uh, We want to make sure that this conversation continues to go. We want that discussion, and we want to promote awareness, and that is our goal. That's why we're doing it. So with that said, we are inviting you to comment, ask questions as we go along with our interview. And speaking of our interview, our guest today is Mr. Lamar Love. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Our topic today is, as we titled it, Pimp Mentality. Uh, Mr. Love is the uh, executive director of Vessels of God, a community-based organization, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, We're also talking to him because he's an ex-pimp. Now, I know he has some, you know, Uh, something to say about that term, and we'll talk about that as well. But you have a wealth of information, a wealth of experience that will help us understand a lot of things. So thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me again. Uh, I think it's uh, part of the the problem in uh, this whole uh, situation, as it may be, is a lack of understanding about what has taken place, the the mindset, uh, the mentality, the circumstances, the environment as a whole. Right. And right. Uh, we, you know, we like to give you as much uh, much about it as I can. Okay. So we're going to go back. We're going to take we're going to go back to little Lamar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because with everything with everybody there's a backstory. Absolutely. That kind of directs the path of our lives. Sure, sure. So if when we go back to little Lamar, you grew up in in Milwaukee, uh, basically, I was born here in Milwaukee, and uh, I, I got the uh, the uh, the privilege of being uh, kind of like having a dual citizenship. My mother lived in Milwaukee, my father lived in Chicago. Okay. So uh, that, that that gave me an opportunity whenever I did something uh, out of line or crazy here in Milwaukee. My mother would send me down there to uh, uh, to my dad, which was uh, uh, kind of like uh, I was in a very impressionable age at that time. So I was you know getting a lot of information on that end more so than I was getting on this end. But it was kind of like, uh, kind of uh, comparative. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So when can you think back to that impressionable mind uh, where you encountered, uh, whether it was, uh, let's say, the sex trade? Okay. As a young boy, at that time, you may not have recognized it? Oh, yeah, well, see, it, it wasn't a... a well, as as far as it being a uh, uh, something harmful in the community, this was something that was going on in every community. You always looked around. There was always uh, uh, um, 
like say a white guy in the middle of the block sitting there in his car for whatever the reasons may have been, you know, he was just sitting there. You haven't noticed who it was, you know, um, and, it, and it just happens to be a, a friend of Mrs. Jones's or, or a friend of uh, uh, Miss Brown's. Or, uh, he just happened to be uh, cruising in the neighborhood for for whatever it may have been. But it became a uh, uh, like a, a common norm in the black community to see white guys coming in and out of the community, going in people's houses, in the basement, and so forth and so on, as it may have been. So it was almost uh, commonplace all around the board. So as you get a little older, you try to find out who this guy was. Yeah. And uh, uh, like I have had several experiences. This is this is one I'm, I'm not going to um, elaborate on the front part of the, the story, <laughs> uh, but I'll talk about the back part of the story. Uh, the back part of the story was uh, uh, one of these guys was uh, happened to be uh, uh, visiting my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't particularly like this guy, as it may, as it may have been, but uh, uh, his car was parked in the alley, and uh, I demolished his car. You know, I knocked the headlights out and uh, uh, the, tore the, you know, knocked the windows out of his car and what have you, you know. So um, it came to my attention, you know, like after, you know, after, you know, he had got away, left the neighborhood and so forth. Uh, uh, it came to my attention. I was washing dishes at the house, and my mother just kind of like eased up to the sink and said, well, listen, uh, uh, what you did wasn't that wasn't very smart. What you did, and uh, you know, I took the dummy, played the dumb role. You mm-hmm. know, well, what you mean? What you talking about? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, so I went. Well, now I don't know what you're talking about, Mama. You know, that's you know. So uh, she said, "Go down and talk to your auntie." So my, my 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 aunt lived down the block from us. Right. So after I got finished washing dishes, I went and talked to my auntie. You know, she said. Uh, so my auntie, you know, I go in. She was kind of like uh, she uh, told my mother that I was her child. But my mother just cared, cared me for nine months. But right. I, but I was her baby, you know, But I, as it was. Uh, so my, my aunt told me the story. She said, listen, man, that wasn't very smart. You know, do you know that that money that that, uh, that, that guy was going to give your mother, uh, that was for your school clothes. That was for the things that you could have been having around the house and what have you. Now, here you are. You went and towed a man's car up. Now that money, you're not going to have that money. So, you know, it started coming to me at that point what was actually taking place here, what was going on. So uh, I kind of like put two and two together that these guys that were in the neighborhood, they were giving the people in the neighborhood money for whatever the services may have been, not knowing that it was uh, goods for services, as it may be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, paying for sex, uh, acts of sex, as right. it may have been at that point. But then, like, it looked up uh, and you could see that there was uh, these uh, actions that were taking place were actually funding for the community. These were things that were happening in the neighborhood. People's mothers was, you know, getting these extra dollars and whatever so they could take care of their children. You know, we were living in an economically depressed time. You know, uh, uh, Milwaukee uh, during the, the 50s and the 60s wasn't a very uh, uh, prominent place to be, you know. Uh, and so uh, these things had a, a definite effect. You know, these things were, you know, uh, fueling households in some respects, you know. At, at times when we have to go down to uh, uh, to the uh, uh, to the welfare building where we had to go get our commodities, our, mm-hmm. our government cheese and our peanut butter and uh, the other uh, items that may have been, these were the guys that were taking us down there to pick this stuff up, you know. So uh, they were actually helping the help, you know, helping the family as it may have been, but it was an economic. Uh, it helped with the economic stability of the family. So this is your um, the adult mind. Lamar, who understands the economic development of the whole yeah. process. Yeah, the, the, the economic, yeah. But 
that kid back there when you were talking to your mom and your aunt, sure, how sure. old was he? Oh, maybe uh, eight, nine years old, maybe seven, wow. eight, nine, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe a little early, maybe about around in that age. So as you're growing up, now, okay, now you're 10, now you're 11, and you know this is happening. <laughs> what is your thought, and that your mom is involved in it too, your aunt's involved in it too, how are you processing it then? Well, I'm processing it like uh, uh, I better leave these guys alone. You know, whenever this guy came in the neighborhood, couldn't nobody touch this guy. Couldn't nobody mm-hmm. do nothing to this guy. Leave him alone, as well as other friends of mine or people, associates that I was having in the neighborhood. They were having these same encounters with uh, people that were coming to see their family members. Right. So, uh, uh, okay, now all of a sudden, okay, this is all right. This guy's all right. He can come in the neighborhood. He's spending money. He's doing things that he's doing, you know, like in the, and the money that he's spending is helping us uh, uh, exist, helping us live in the community. So these guys are all right. These, this, you know, don't mess with him. Leave his car alone. Don't do nothing stupid. <laughs> you know? Right. So this is framing your whole um, viewpoint of the sex trade. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. You know, and, and it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't so much it was a— uh, a criminal act. It was a matter of survival. This is something that was uh, like a necessary or a, a welcomed uh, circumstance, which allowed us to survive, to allow us allowed us to live. You know, other than that, if this if this guy wasn't uh, uh, coming in the neighborhood, uh, spreading the money as he may have been, or these uh, individuals weren't coming in the, in the neighborhood doing what they were doing, it would have been something else. Okay. okay and so now, how does teenage Lamar? get into the sex trade? Well, first of uh, all, uh, okay, as I said, it, it would have been something else. That the something else was we were still uh, in the process of surviving. We were living in a community that, that, uh, that you know, we were living in a poor community. I, I, like I said, I grew up right on uh, 23rd Walnut. Uh, 23rd Walnut was kind of like, the, you know, but it was really the, the center of my world or the center of my existence at that point in time. And so everybody in the neighborhood was poor. Did nobody have no, uh, wasn't no whole bunch of money in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So everybody did everything in order to survive. Uh, like I'm the oldest, uh, the oldest male of nine children. And at that era, during that era, wasn't a wasn't a, a, a un, an uncommon thing to have uh, large families. People, uh, you know, every, you know, was nothing to have uh, eight, nine, ten, fifteen right. people in the family. At, you know, during that era, so uh, people resorted to uh, various things now. I got six siblings under me. I had two sisters older than me, myself, and six siblings under me. Some days uh, uh, it wasn't enough food for all of us. So some days, you know, like I say, Mama would take care of the six, and then we'd have to go and fend for ourselves to do something. Or if we weren't at the table when we could get a chance to get something to eat, we would have to go and do something else. And that's what we did. You what know? was your something else? Uh, uh, you know, well, um, we hustled. We hustled a, a lot of different ways. You know, at an early age, or like I hustled a shoe shine box. Uh, another part of it, you know, when I learned different things to do, I did other things. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I, played, uh, I played the pee game. The pee game is like the shell game. I played the shell game while he had the pee, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of different things, like, you know, as a... Uh, as you grow older, you become right. classified as a, uh, a flat-foot hustler. So when did the sex trade come into play? Well, uh, during that time, well, we were doing other things such as uh, muggings. We were, you know, like uh, we were uh, strong-arm robberies. 
So um, uh, there was a point where the girls in the neighborhood, they were just as poor as we were. They were trying to survive. They were trying to eat as well. So what we would do is kind of like partner with the girls. And uh, the girls would go and find guys, bring them down in the neighborhood, and we would rob them. We would rob them. We would mug them. And we would split them out, you know, split out the, you know, the money with them. And so at a, at a point in time, it became where, uh, you know, you, you had a partner that was, uh, that was good at what they did. I may have been good at what I did. She may have been good at what she did. And uh, when I was uh, 15, I got shot the first time. The first time. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of like a, uh, um, uh, say, like a, a proof of residency in Chicago, a bullet wound. Right. So, okay. So, uh, but that was the first time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got a, I got shot. And uh, while I was uh, recuperating, my, my, my girlfriend, who was my uh, kind of like my early sweetheart, uh, you know, she said that I needed to be taken care of. So she went to take care of me. So she went and did what she did. Like she had an older sister who was uh, uh, in the sex trade. Uh, uh, and her older see, she went and asked her older sister, well, you know, take me with you so I could take care of him. And that's what that was the, the, the early. The, now, the, did you ask her to do this? No, I was I was uh, like I said, I'm recovering from a bullet wound, a gunshot wound. So, so this was, was her her solution. Yeah, right. You mm. know, like you need you need to be taken care of. You know, who gonna take care of you? My mother loved her. You know, my mother loved her because uh, she my mother. You know, she was taking care of my mother's baby. Mm-hmm. You know, so my mom you know you know loved her. You know, and uh, she was a, a very good person. Uh, Good-hearted person, very intelligent woman. Uh, she ended up uh, going to school, getting a, a, a doctorate. She's a uh, uh, in computer science. She's a very intelligent woman. You know, lived in California. You know, it was a uh, uh, during that era of time. There was a lot of uh, very intelligent people, very talented people, but we were subjected to the uh, the norms of the society. So you get out of you get out of the hospital. You get well, mm-hmm. and then what happens? Uh. uh uh, you guys team up? Oh, yeah. We, we stayed together for a pretty good while. You know, as we were kids, I, I grew up, I, I ended up going to the boys' school, uh, you know, for uh, armed robbery. Okay. Uh, she ended up going to, she was a little older than I was, as a matter of fact, a couple few years older than me. So she ended up going to uh, uh, the women's uh, Tachita for robbery as well. Okay. So, so <laughs> you were a pair. <laughs> You know, it was, this was part of the society, as it may have been. So did you become her pimp? Well, see, like, like people miss, uh, I, I think that the, the definition of a pimp is uh, misconstrued. People call people pimps, but pimps aren't, you know, like pimps don't do nothing but pimp. Pimps don't do nothing but pimp. And like I would have called myself at that point in, in time a hustler. Because I hustled. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of things. I did a, a lot of stuff. I was, you know, very uh, 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 knowledgeable about uh, street activity. You know, I gambled. Uh, uh, like, I shot pool. I played cards. I, uh, I, I robbed. I, uh, I sold weed. You know, I did a lot of stuff, you know. So, like, I couldn't, been, I couldn't have been cat- categorized or classified as a pimp. Like, just like a lot of these uh, characters that call themselves pimps now, they can't be classified as pimps because they— they 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 hustlers, you know, for the for like a clear definition of the word, they hustlers because they selling dope, they stealing cars, they uh they doing a lot of things uh, outside of just receiving proceeds from a woman. 
and living off of those proceeds. Okay. We're going to talk more about the proceeds from a woman, but we're going to take a break first. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time, when in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. Who's ever wanted to be a pimp? The sad truth is, a pimp is not all money and glamour. There's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, the screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money just so you can spend, have you no shame. They are people. People you are forcing to do as you tell them. Where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind. What if that was my child? My son? My daughter? You don't stop and think about them to you. They're a product. Waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death. Because of what? Money? You'd be killed for money. Shame, you'd go to prison. Give your life away for money. Not me. I'd rather give it for my family. Protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a pimp? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? Welcome back. I'm still here with Mr. Lamar Love. All right, let's talk about this. Um, Because you're that whole hustle, pimp, the gray area. She was selling sex. And the money went to... Well, yes, it, it came who? to... Well, it came, it came into the house. So you guys were living together? Yes. So the money came into the house, and yes. who controlled the money? Oh, I did. You controlled the money? Yes. So that makes you a pimp? No, not necessarily. Well, it makes me a hustler. It makes me... Uh, 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 well, I was... Well, like I, like I equally contributed to the, the financing of the home, so that wouldn't make her a pimp. You know, like if I brought all my proceeds into the house as well, that means that we had a uh, like a good union. We had a good team. So if she said, um, "Now this was this the only person who was involved?" Or early, early on, yes, it was. She was the only person. But as life went on, you know, like there were other uh, dynamics that took place, uh, such as uh, other people joined the household. Your household. Yes. So, at at what point? How how many? Oh, uh, there was a point in time where it was like maybe about five of us, six of us in the house together. Okay. And you uh, and four women? Yeah, me and five. You and five women? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it okay. right, I'm going to keep it real with well, you Well, see, now. I'm okay. going to, I'm going to make you, we're going to come to this I'm going to give it to you. Because you say it's, you're a hustler, but yes. you got five women in the house. Yes. These women are going out and having sex with men. Well, they did a lot of things. They didn't just do, they didn't just have sex. They but did they did a lot of other stuff. things yes, too. Yes, they did a lot of stuff. They, but, you know, the boosters, you know, like I said, they did, you know, check cashing, credit cards. They did a lot of stuff. Oh, so they're stealing. They did a lot of things. Okay. But one they thing. Hustling. They hustled. <laughs> one thing they did <laughs> yeah. 
One thing they did was they sold sex. Yes, they did. And then they brought the money back. Yes. And they gave it to you. Yes. Okay. You control the money. Yes. If you're watching (laughs) and you're listening and you have comments or questions, please send them on. Send them to me. Join our discussion. So you're controlling the money. So if one of these women came to you and said, Lamar, I, I'm going to buy me a car. Give me the $7,000 that I gave you. Well, it's like, see, now, uh, in the process, okay, $7,000 that she gave me, she may have given me $7,000 over a period of time. Um, $7,000 over a period of time. That period of time, there was a, a, a cost associated with living through that period of time. The cost for her living through that period of time is going to be assessed to her, not to me or to the rest of the people in the house. So, uh, I, I, like, I'm going to give you something right quick. You okay. understand this? Uh, it was almost like a, uh, a negotiation for uh, you will receive 25%, a 25% return on whatever it is that you put in the house. So if you put in $7,000, that meant that you would, prox- you, know, you would come back with about a uh, – Oh, uh, what, $2,000, close to about, about uh, $1,750, somewhere in that area right there. So if you found a vehicle that you could buy for $1,750, okay, you got that. But the rest of those proceeds have to main, go to the, main, the maintenance of this house here. We have to make sure that we make sure we pay the bills in the house. We got to make sure you get eat, that you're going to eat on a regular basis. Like, uh, that particular arrangement is uh, it's a maintenance arrangement. Okay. So okay. with those five women, they 25%, that's theirs, although you still have it. You're controlling oh, yeah. it, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So 25%, I pay all the bills. 25% of the five women, that's theirs, 75% from the five women, okay. that goes into the household to yes. pay the bills. Absolutely. I'm assuming that there's some money left over after you pay those oh, bills. Oh, certainly, certainly. So now, that's yours. Okay, uh, no, 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 no. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, all of it, I'm in the control of all of it. Well, I maintain all of it. Like the people that I had been involved with, you know, there, there was a period of time where uh, all of them ended up with their, house, with their own homes, owning homes. They, owned, they ended up owning homes, owning businesses, owning cars. Uh, when they got ready, well, like I, I ended up leaving uh, for other reasons, uh, uh, but I was when I left, you know, like they had to go and you know fend for themselves more or less, uh, manage their own affairs as it may have been. But they had like they had homes, they had houses, they had clothes, they had uh, jewelry, uh, which was all part of the maintenance process. This, you know, there's a there's a well, some guys have it, some guys don't. I just happened to be one of those that were fortunate enough to have it where I was I had management skills. I knew how to manage money. Like I say, I was the uh, like the oldest male in a family of nine people. Right. Where there was a point in time, my mother was working two jobs. I had to manage the household. So you ended up with a nice home, huh? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I ended up with a nice home. I, well, you know, no, I ended up going to prison for twenty one years. That's not a nice home, for that <laughs> no. matter. So we can get into that at, at another right, point. Right. Okay, we can get but that somewhere were, else. But you were living large. You, well, you were doing yes. well. Oh, without a doubt. You were doing without well. Without a doubt. Yes. Do you regret that? Do you regret? I regret that my I regret that uh, that the, the the skill set that I 
that I have at this point in time that I wasn't in a, in a, with the mindset where I was able to utilize that, that skill set at an earlier stage in my life. At this point in time, like I said, I ended up doing 21 years. I'm out of jail. I'm 67 years old. And now I'm in a position where I'm implementing the management skills that I had when I was 25. So this is like uh, 50 years later. And uh, uh, I'm just not getting off the mark. I'm just not getting to a position where I can be part of corporate America. That I can come. I, can, I don't have to live in the, in the shadows any longer. I can live out front because the skills that I have are legitimate skills. And like I have a legitimate relationship with the people who these skills are important to or right. are significant to. Right. So that's the regret that I have. You know, like the skill that I have, what I had to do to survive, I have no regrets. Well, let me ask you this before we, we leave that area. Okay. These women, do you, if, if one of the, say two of the women came to you and said, Lamar, this is not working for me. I, I'm walking away from this. It, it, it has happened. It has happened. It, mm-hmm. happened. it has happened on a number of occasions. You know, like it, it's not a, a, like a, a lifelong contract. So but what, how, did, how did you handle it? Well, I, you know, I handled it the way that, you know, like any reasonable person would handle it. You know, well, okay, you good? All right, you know, well, what, you know, what do you, what do you need? What do you need out of this? You know, nine times out of ten, it was always about, well, I need my clothes. I need my car. Oh, we good. You know, that's what, you know, okay, I'm going to holler. And then, like, in, in, most, in most instances, it was about uh, de- deciding that they had an opportunity for a bigger and better deal. The bigger and better deal, or the BBD, may have been another fellow. You know, may have been somebody else who they felt was more uh, prominent or able to manage their situation better than I was. And uh, in nine, and, and out of a, like I say, having a respectful relationship with the streets, it was, uh, it was a matter of respect. If a guy said, well, look, man, like I, uh, uh, she's with me now. My man, what do you want? Like I want her stuff. Well, come on, get it. And that's how that's how it played out. Was it that cordial? Oh, very, very much so. Like really? I said, we talking about an era of time where there was a standard that had been set in the streets, mm-hmm. as far as how people dealt with those type of situations. It wasn't it wasn't so uh, uh, harebrained type of a, a situation that they got going on now. You know, like they they got some some stuff now that's you know like off the charts. I don't even, you know, I don't, I don't see how they're making it. I don't know how they're getting along with the situation as it may be at this point. From uh, man to man, you know, men don't have no respect for one another. And like, okay, uh, there was a saying between men at that era, during that era, where uh, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> this is, it's going to be difficult for a woman to take off one set of handcuffs and put on another. Meaning that uh, it's going to be hard for her to find another man if he going to handle. A, her business the same as I'm going to handle her business. If you find one that can handle her business better than I can handle her business, okay, so be it. And that's, you know, that's, how, that, that's the respect and the courtesy or the consideration that, that, the, that the men had for one another at that time, the respect, you know, because everybody had a level of uh, street credibility, meaning that they had uh, uh, survived at a certain level in, this, in, the, in the community. A lot of guys were uh, recruited as uh, men, for, for various women, for protection, because they had a reputation in the streets for being a boxer. They can fight. So, you know, you, you're, you're a good 
a good candidate for, you know, to protect somebody. So, okay. uh, you know, it was a, it was a matter of uh, respect and consideration. For, now, you know, some people listening in will um, think I am being too soft on you because <laughs> <laughs> you know mm. it, it's that lifestyle and those women it can't all be so rosy that well, okay listen i'm gonna give it to you now certain relationships were that rosy you got some men that are very very uh uh, uh delicate soft where uh, they have 10, 12 women, never have a fight, never have an argument. They come and go as they please, you know, gone. Okay, I'm happy with you. You know, I'm happy with how this thing played out. But then you have another element, most certainly, where you got a guy that's, uh, he's, uh, he's down to one woman. He's got a lifestyle where he had, you know, he's been living uh, large where he had five. Now, all of a sudden, he's down to one. She's under a lot of pressure. You know, her, that, that, that relationship there is not going to be very happy because he's putting a lot of pressure on her to, to, to provide the style or the standard, the, the money that he was having with five. She's got to try to make up all that just being herself. So he's got a lot of pressure on her. She might, she might be subject to, a, you know, a little abuse, or quite a bit of abuse, to tell the truth about it. You know, I was talking to a prosecutor before we talked um, in uh, earlier podcast, and she was talking about how pimps, sex traffickers, are master manipulators. They they're they're very smooth. They're very persuasive. They have the the smoothness of a CEO of a company. Uh-huh. They can talk a woman into doing things. They can look at the vulnerabilities, find the vulnerabilities, pinpoint it, and just wrap that woman around to the point that she's like, okay, what, whatever you say. Okay, now, whatever you say. all right. Now, how does this uh, approach happen? How does this take place? Do you know, like, do it? does a man, okay, now, I understand guys go out, they, they, you know, dress up, put the gear on, go to work to catch, to find them a woman. But what about the fact of the matter is, well, what if, what if she uh, is, uh, approves of the situation as it may be? What if she chooses him? What if she's already part of the sex trade and decides that she wants to be with him? Is that manipulation at that point? Or is that accommodating her, her desire or her wish? But I think it's depending on uh, why. Again, there we go. Why? Again, like I say, again, a bigger and better deal. Here she is. She might be with a guy. Uh, here's a guy that's a, uh, he's a dope fan. She's, uh, she might be worth, uh, she might be, uh, we just say, a uh, 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 $2,000 a week woman. Every time she goes away and goes to work and she uh, brings him $2,000, he goes and, and buys dope with it. So you look around, her, her standard of living uh, or her style of living, you understand, is very minimal. You know, he's spending all the money on dope. He's not buying the necessities or the maintenance. He's not maintaining her like another guy that don't have that problem would but, maintain her. But maybe she's in it because she believed in him. He said he needed this help. She, he persuaded her. She did it. And 
now she can't get out. She feels like she can't get out because he has this over her head. She's embarrassed. She's ashamed. She can't walk away. She can't go back to her family. There's nowhere else to go. She feels trapped. No, they, they, you, y'all, y'all really missing a whole story here. When you talk about people that participate in that activity in that life, yeah, that's what they do. They like that life. They like what they do. Who likes it? The women like it. The men like it. The people that participate in it like that. Now, if she didn't like what she was doing, she wouldn't have started it. She would have went on and, and went to doing, uh, she would have went to school. She would have went to uh, being a, uh, an executive somewhere. She would have went, you know, learned another trade. But the majority of the people that involve themselves in sex trafficking, I'm going to, I bet, like, well, during my era, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be in the midst of that situation there because maybe influenced by. Do you think your mother wanted to be there? I, I think that my mother wanted to take care of her babies. I think that she was going to do anything that she needed that she needed to do to allow us to survive, for us to be all right. She was going to do whatever she needed to do in order for us to be to eat every day, or to be clothed every day, or to be able to have a a, a roof over our head. She was going to do what she had to do. But do you think she liked it? I can't say she liked it. I can't. No, nah, I wouldn't think that she liked it. I would never think that she liked it or enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that she did what was necessary to do, just like the other ones did. But then, like there are some that don't have no responsibilities, no obligations. They just want to be part of that situation. They just want to be part of that game. All right. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. If you heard something on this topic that you would like to comment on, make suggestions, ask questions, do so, uh, you can contact us at our website, www.the411live.org. You can also go to the Facebook page. You can check out our channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter and IGTV. We are a nonprofit organization, so if you are led to, we invite you to go to our website and make a donation so we can continue to have this kind of programming. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again, Mr. Love. We appreciate that. And, you know, we will be here. There, We've already had a few episodes already, so we, we invite you to go back, check those out, and continue to look for us because we will have plenty more. For right now, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Coming up next on the 411 Live. You got another woman that's been uh, sexually abused since she was 8, 9, 10 years old. She's in the street. So she's out in the street trying to get her something to get high off so she can self-medicate in order for her to, uh, to get over the trauma that she's been experiencing. This, that, that's not a happy situation. So well, who was her man? You know, what, what kind of, what, what, he's not a good, you know, he's not doing no, no extreme pimping. <laughs> you know, he, he can't do it. It's not there. It's not available for him. So these are the, 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 the incidents that are taking place at this point in time in them streets. How can, they cost, how can they possibly put a broad stroke on human trafficking? How can they say that that's human trafficking? That's not human trafficking. That's somebody suffering. 